it's very normal for you to drift off track at some point. Mm. Be compassionate with yourself when you do and just knowing that's going to happen and then knowing how to bring yourself back and having those knowledge and skill set. Yeah. And I talk a lot about that with clients as well. So there is a lot you can work with a bariatric dietitian on after your weight loss surgery, much more than just protein and fluid. Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Everyone and welcome back to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis, Clinical Nutritionist for BN Healthy. On today's episode, I have the company of Jane Stoltz. She's an accredited practicing dietitian, mindful eating educator, and a certified trainer. She also runs a fantastic program online for bariatric patients called the Bariatric Nutrition Bootcamp. In today's episode, we are going to discuss Jane's program and the benefits that it has to offer and just run through a rough outline of what can be found there. We also talk about the benefits of getting good nutritional support in the first year after weight loss surgery and how an online coach can fill those needs for you. Four key areas where we see people struggle and how to move out of the dieting mindset. Stay tuned and please welcome Jane Stoltz. Welcome Jane Stoltz. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks Jackie. I'm really excited to chat to you. Yeah, I think we can unpack a whole range of different things around your knowledge around obviously bariatric nutrition and support, but also your program I'd like to go through a little bit later on. It's known as the Bariatric Nutrition Coach. And you're actually in a few different markets, aren't you? You're in Australia, based here, but a lot of your reach is also in the US. Is that right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I work solely online now and I have a program and I've developed that people can be really in any time zone. Mm. So I'd say half my clients in my boot camp are in the US, less than half are in Australia, but I have people South Africa, Bahrain, wow, Dubai. Yes. I've had New Zealand clients, so all over. And you, oh, I've got someone else in the UK. Sorry, I forgot about them, poor UK. <laughs> and so, yes, yeah, so I have, but I do have quite a few US clients, yes, in my boot camp. Yes, but I mean, it's worldwide, isn't it? We're dealing with a worldwide yes. issue. And do you see, is it, there are common trends in the recovery and the nutritional needs of patients? Is it quite universal, do you find, after bariatric surgery? Oh, definitely. And I think we can talk to people in different countries and feel like sometimes you've got to use slightly different words to explain things, but it really comes down to the same things people need to do after their weight loss surgery and the same challenges. And people have had a great experience and gone to a bariatric center that's had lots of lovely support. And sometimes you think you can actually think that that is a norm, that that's what everyone has. But since I have really worked in this online space and I'm talking to people that have had surgery all over the world, that's certainly not the case. So some people have lots of lovely support to a point and then, but other people have, go to bariatric centers that give them very little support, very mm. little education. And also the preparation for surgery, that pre-surgery education is varies greatly across the world as well. So yeah, there's a lot of, I suppose, variety in that sense, but what people need to know, what people need to do, and the challenges are universal. Yeah. 
I guess you would see, is it done well in some countries or is it just done well as far as different clinics go? It's not that discriminatory as far as different cultures and that sort of thing. I'd say it's more clinic because as we're chatting a bit before we started the podcast, there are some countries that, well, and the US is one, and but most countries, actually most of the, I find the first world countries do have part of their population does maybe go overseas or out of the country. Cost perspective, those people, those patients can still have a very good experience and still get good surgery. So my general feeling is it's more of a centre-based result yeah. because some of those surgeries go very successfully and people recover well and they've been given good information, not yes. a lot of long-term information, but good information to start with. So that's my experience, but I've won little dietitian. I know. It's a great sample that you would see different. So tell me a little bit more about how important that is. We know that the lead up to surgery is quite fraught. It's very emotional. There's a lot of information that patients are taking on. And I think I read somewhere that in any professional consult, you take on about 25% of what's said. So I think they're taking like there's different areas that are focused on which mm. that ongoing story or that ongoing reminder of what it's all about is quite pertinent to their success. What are the benefits of getting this ongoing mm. support in the mm. first year? Oh, look, there's lots of benefits and I'm really passionate about working with people in their first year after surgery. The bariatric centres, their focus is surgery and often the education they give is really to help people through those early days. Mm. and to help them recover. But that's only one portion of people's journey. So yeah, I'll share what I feel the benefits. And that's definitely overlaps with the things that I work obviously with clients in my boot camp. So number one, I've got reaching protein and fluid goals. So obviously that's really the simple basics, focus to do in the beginning, but also learning how to do it in the long term Mm. and learning how to build that as a habit into your life. So that's a really obviously key one increasing variety in the diet. So a really common time people come to me is that say the two to four months after their surgery and they've got through those early stages and then they kind of hit a wall and go, now what? And they don't know how to expand their diet. They don't know how to build more fiber in to help their bowel function. They don't know how to make it more satisfying. So that's a really another key benefit to getting support and more than just that early day support, because, you know, in those early days of working through those dietary stages. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's why a lot of patients will say, oh, I've got this appointment with either my dietitian or psychologist or whatever, and I don't feel like I've got anything to talk about. And I often think that's the best time to show up is because yes. you're more relaxed, you're more open, you're not confused by anything you think but sometimes they're the really golden sessions where it's like okay well we've got this far and you're feeling quite comfortable about things here's what else we can bring and that's where the professionals come in is because we have this box of tools that we can share and I think as patients we only know what we know and we can walk in and think that there's nothing else that we need but it's often those opportunities where we feel like we're traveling along quite nicely and you would say hey how about we try this then and you yes. can see that the diet is quite narrow from a um, nutritional perspective. It gives you that layering effect and a bit more diversity. Yes, because so often I hear from people, I don't know what to eat. I don't want to do the wrong thing. And so that support is really beneficial for people to feel confident 
feel confident they not only know I say what to eat, but how to eat. And I do say to people that the habits that you can really establish and I suppose cement in that first year, Mm. not only help you reach, I call it your full weight loss potential, but are the same habits that will help you keep it off. Correct. Yeah. It's knowledge focused for me, but it's also very habit focused. And my approach is very simple and practical because that's definitely how I work. And I find Mm. it much more beneficial to make it very practical for people. Well, that's where it's at, isn't it? I mean, most weight loss surgery patients are women who work, have a family, have to fit everything in and they're turning everything upside down in those early stages and still trying to feed the family. So I imagine you would cover that also. It's like, well, how do we bring my new needs in to Mm. this so it actually works for the whole family as well? Yes, and that is a key one and really putting themselves on the list. Mm. Mums, not putting themselves totally last, that they fall off the list, as I say, (laughs) because they can. So number three in benefits to getting support in that first year is learning how to eat as a person who's had weight loss surgery, learning, I call the foundation weight loss surgery eating habits. And I say that's simple to understand. They're much more challenging to do. Small bites, chewing well eating slowly and stopping when you're satisfied. And each of those can be a distinct discussion and coaching session with somebody because everyone comes into weight loss surgery with their own habits that often had for a long time. And I'll just use one as an example, which is eating quickly. That's a really common habit. People say, "Um, Jane, I'm eating slowly. And I'm saying, I'll say, well, your tummy's saying they'd like it even slower. <laughs> you know? And then we say, okay, well, how are we going to do that? And what are some techniques? And how do we remind ourselves when we start going to eat that we really need to eat slowly? And so easy to understand, much more challenging to do. Yeah, it's practice, isn't it? I mean, look yeah. at, we started eating when we were six months old. And if we're 50, when we're having surgery, it's a lot to undo. So it's that practice and then checking in and then practice and then come back and check in again. You're right. I think that is what gets lost in that post one year, even, which is where programs like yours and that sort of ongoing support, huge. Yeah. Number four, and it relates to the busy person, busy woman, but it also relates to the first one, which is reaching your protein and fluid goals. And that's improving your daily schedule. So that's something I focus on from about week three after weight loss surgery. And then with any new client, we really look at daily schedule to optimize intake, Mm. regular protein intake, and fit it around getting kids ready in the morning, commuting to work, kids having naps, and all of that really making it very practical and seeing what, what schedule works for them. Mm. And nutting out a bit of an individual plan because it's all very theoretical and people can really struggle to get it all in. It's a scheduled day after my surgery. Yeah, I wonder if that's actually reiterated enough is that it's a juggle between protein and fluids really a lot of the time. How do you feel about that? Like how important is meeting your protein goal every single day? Very important. And that is something I talk and I explain and I educate on my programs. People really understand the why, because Mm. why protein is so important, because often that is not part of their education. They're told, get your protein to So protein, we don't store protein in the body. We need it for so many reasons. And we need great lean protein sources and a variety is ideal. But in the beginning, we need to drink some of it because it's people aren't able to eat enough. And I explain it to people, when we get enough protein, we get it regularly, body goes, ah, we're not in famine, 
we can relax, we can lose our fat. And also when we get a good amount of protein, our calories also come up to a reasonable level. And I call Mm. it a sweet spot. I explain that to people because people often come into weight loss surgery thinking the less you eat, the better. And that's that dieting mentality. And eating too little, too little protein, too little calories can slow down weight loss. And many people come to me and we've upped it, they're like, then weight loss starts again. And we're just not brought up with that understanding, are we, that if you eat more, you'll lose. And I think also when you have come to the point where you're needing bariatric surgery, you've tried yeah. everything. So yes. having yeah. someone tell you to eat more, it's fraught with also yes. fear. So to have that support, we've got you and let's just keep an eye on it. I think that's really important. But I do see that some are sitting on those really low calorie intakes for an extended period and wondering why they're stalling and feeling terribly tired. Yeah, tired because when you're eating so few calories, one, you're not getting your protein, also you're not getting any or very little carbs. And I have had people tell me that their bariatric surgeon told them to have 600 calories a day. So people are getting that information and that, yeah, there is shock and I'm eating more and the scales have started moving Yeah, and I'm feeling better. So it's a definitely a paradigm shift if you want to look at it. And I suppose I can explain it in very more technical terms to clients if they need it. But that's how I explained it to you is we're looking for a sweet spot. We're looking for enough calories. Your body wants to feel relaxed and enough key protein. A lot of the research is is suggesting, it's not bariatric specific research, but a lot of research is suggesting we don't have enough protein and we can definitely increase it. Mm. And that the standard 60 to 80 grams is not adequate. And that's why that's also another benefit is when you work with a bariatric dietitian, they can do very much more of a personalized goal for you and help you reach that goal Mm. comfortably. And I say comfortably because I talk to my clients all the time. I don't want you to be forcing food down. I want this first year for you to reconnect with your body and learn the new sensations it's giving you. And I also explain it, it may not be yelling at you, it's probably whispering and we need to be quiet and listen to a whisper, practice listening to the body, not forcing food out. How do we comfortably reach your goals? And there are a lot of different strategies, tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. I call it tips and tricks. That's not very scientific, but a lot of ways we can get more protein in without being too bulky and and more comfortably because some people come to me and they're really overfilling. Yeah. And they talk about heavy, not sitting well, feeling uncomfortable. Yep. And then often there's an aversion. They're then like, I don't want to eat anything because it just feels yes. uncomfortable. Yep. And we definitely don't want them to be feeling put off food because we all need that. So it is, you're right, to have someone help you to understand your bodily cues and to listen and to yes. then give you the other ways of slipping protein in that's not going to feel uncomfortable. That's a real key. Yeah, we could chat about that. A lot yeah, more yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and I feel like we go on about protein, but it really is the key, I think, to yeah, that yeah. weight loss, but also the kind of preventing the regain and keeping us at that sweet spot, like you say, but yeah. it helps with the resetting of the set point and all those yes. sorts of things. So I know yeah. I talk, I think I've got about six episodes on protein now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it is. And I talk about the foundation and if we think of the pyramid, it's the base and then we work mm. from there. Number five as a benefit to working with somebody after your weight loss surgery for nutritional support, actually about I've got moving out of the dieting mindset. And you touched on it before. I say, because I do lives and I do things, I say, like, I see clients come to me or see people after weight loss surgery, battle-worn, like from the dieting yeah. war kind of 
people triggered, they're triggered by using apps, triggered by the scales. If they eat something, they feel like they shouldn't and they feel like they need to do something to balance it out. So I do a lot of education about eating cycles, restrictive mm-hmm. eating cycle, bouncing into an overeating cycle and mindful eating. And then I also talk a lot about self-care. This is your new eating, eating regularly, eating high-protein meals and snacks, drinking enough water, taking your vitamins, moving your body. This is not a diet. It's a new way of living and it is looking after your health and pulling people out of that dieting mindset. And part of that can be doing tracking and doing monitoring that doesn't involve apps, doesn't involve getting on that piece of metal and plastic on the floor. And we can do it. You can do it without that. And you can do it in a different way and can be a lot kinder pathway. I think that's a great way of putting it is every other diet is don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, restrict. And it's all about beating ourselves up and taking things away and just reframing into this lifestyle. Often when people are talking about, should I go keto? Should I do this? Should I do that? My my ever (laughs) present response is, can you do that for the rest of your life? Yes, and yeah. they're like, well, no. And I go, well, it's not a lifestyle. So why would you do it? It's just yeah. another diet. So it's really imperative that we just instill these habits of just healthy living. And yes. I think getting to understand that in the first place yes. is the key. Yes, yes. And then also it's very normal for you to drift off track at some point. Mm. Being compassionate with yourself when you do and just knowing that's going to happen and then knowing how to bring yourself back and having those knowledge and skill set. Yeah. And I talk a lot about that with clients as well. So there is a lot you can work with a bariatric dietitian on after your weight loss surgery, much more than just protein and fluid. Yeah. And not so many calorie counting as well, which is fantastic. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so number six, I've got learn how to manage difficult eating situations. And what I call difficult eating situations, things like eating on a holidays, going mm. to a party, going to a stand-up kind of party, going to a buffet, going to a restaurant. And people can feel when they start doing that after their weight loss surgery, it can be very scary. People don't want to overeat. People don't want to eat something and not feel great and have to go into the toilet and bring something up and just feel confident how they're going to tackle that eating situation. So I do education on that of how to prepare, how to manage it, how to be confident in what they're Mm -hmm. going to do so they can stay on track, but they can go out and socialize and have a great time. And it's not about feeling guilty, but you know, I've blown it or I've done this and and just knowing also how the Christmas holidays or the holidays, that's a big thing that comes up. How do I manage this and feel confident about it? And how do I still learning? It is. And how do I have some of my treat foods and have some of those foods that are really connected to those holidays, but as in balance and in moderation. So that's what I mean by difficult. So really difficult eating situations could mean different things to to different people. Yeah. And that's great to cover because we do come and everybody comes up against it is also situations where you find yourself habitually either over drinking or overeating and looking at what's behind that. It might be the people that you're with. I know I have a group of friends who when I'm with them, I'll have that extra glass of wine. But normally if I'm out with a different group of friends, I don't want that. So I think it's looking at like what's behind that. Am I getting swept along with whatever's happening and how if I do want to change that? Is that a possibility? It's one of those things that we have to learn. We don't just and, and introspect on, I think. Yes. And also what, just as you talked about that, managing if people say, oh, did you not like your meal because you haven't finished it? Or yeah. don't you want to have some of mine, have some more? 
managing those situations, feeling confident, how you're going to respond and being able to practice those and having some support to manage your environment so you feel more comfortable with all of that. So for some people, not so much. Other people can be a real challenge. Mm, And different family groups or friends, some of them are your greatest assets and others are not necessarily offering more and they're challenging your goodwill and your new habits. And that'll always happen, I think, when people notice that we're doing something differently or they'll either want to talk about it and maybe we don't want to talk about it or you'll say no to something and they'll keep offering. And I guess it's another skill set is the no, I'm really okay with that. Some patients talk about not wanting to go out because they're aware that people know that they're not eating very much. Yes. What do you find? Like, I think I will often say most people are so busy worrying about themselves that they're not noticing. Yes. But we do have people in our lives who will challenge that or they know that there's we've had surgery or something has changed and they kind of will push a few buttons if you mm. like. Mm. What do you suggest in those kind of situations? It depends if it's a friend or an occasional comment or if it's something from someone really close to you. Mm. Now, we were talking about Georgie Beams, you know, Georgie Beams, who's yet yeah, so psychologist who works in the area of weight loss surgery. And I know Georgie, she has content part of my boot camp. I suppose I'm bringing her name up because that would be something that if finding somebody, whether it be Georgie or someone like Georgie, if you have a relationship that's very close to you that is really impacting on your weight loss surgery journey, then that psychological support would be really more suited than my support. Yeah, right. So I wouldn't delve deeply into family relationships too deeply, I yeah. would say, because there's a lot more complexity. Yeah, correct. Because if it's like a weight staff or fat friends and things like that, practicing in their own words saying, I have had enough and I really enjoy it. So what to say, but also there's some really practical tips you can do, which is ask for a small plate. As soon as your meal comes, putting a small amount on it, asking that other remaining leftovers to be taken to the kitchen and boxed up. So you don't have that leftovers. It's not such a big thing. It's a visual. And there's some practical things like that that I work with people about. So that's where I would work. If it was really a bit more emotive and, yeah, I would direct to that psychological support to nut that out. And that is great support to get in that first year. Yeah. you want, it's hard enough even if you have a cheer squad around you. And if not everyone's around you cheering you on and helping you, it makes it even harder. And yeah, so that's how I would. Yeah, thank you. And it is, it's looking at the practical tools and then having the other support if you do find it's a more of a psychological issue and they come together just beautifully. It's a great blend. Yes. So, well, that leads into that last one, which I've got emotional support through challenges. So for me, I talk to people about, yeah, what they can say and how they can respond and how they can prepare themselves to feel more emotionally comfortable in a situation. And also, what the support that comes up is as people progress through that first year after surgery, it's very normal for your appetite to increase. It's very normal to be able to eat more. And it's really important, I think, for people to know it's really normal and know how to, to evolve and how to improve their diet and manage the greater appetite and also greater cravings. And for some people, it's a really quick shift into, wow, mm. I'm starting to feel hungry again. And what yeah. do I do with that? And again, it's a time where there's those fears come up of, oh my God, am I going to blow this? Am I going to fall back into bad habits and that sort of thing? And like you say, the first year is where we solidify those really good 
portion control habits and visuals and that sort of thing so that we're ready for that. And I think that's a great thing to focus on and know that it's the same thing, know that it's going to happen and how we're going to work towards that in a way that's going to work. Yeah, because people think it's just them. Some people think Mm. come and save it's just them or it really sparks fear because they can have their appetite back and they felt much more comfortable when they didn't have their appetite. And that emotional support from a bariatric dietitian can be, this is really normal. There's some wonderful things when we can eat a bit more. We can get more fiber. We can get more vegetables. But we can also increase your protein a bit, another step up to help keep you satisfied. And it's very expected. It's part of your journey. So that emotional support, I think, is really key to feeling confident and not staying feeling scared and unsure, which can really stifle people's progress and obviously quality of life. And often that is the time where those habits do come back in because they're hungry. And if it's not managed in a way, like it's small tweaks that we're talking about, it's just increasing protein a little bit and being organized and prepared and ready for that is the key. But that is that point, that sort of 18 months to two years where it's the fear comes up and I think a lot of patients are very quick to go, well, I've failed, here I am, I'm hungry again. And if they're not getting that input, because often they're not, it's 12 months, they've got support from their team where they had their surgery and then they're kind of trailing off into the distance. So it is a good time to sort of embark on different other ways of getting support as well to to normalise it. Yeah. It's a good idea. Great. Thank you. And so... This sounds like a fantastic program. It's all rounded. And how does it run? Do you, is it individuals or is it groups or how would someone get involved if they were keen to jump on board? So, yes, I had to call my program something. So I've got to come up with a name and that's hard. I call it Bariatric Nutrition Boot Camp, but I say I don't have a whistle and I don't say drop and give me 20. I have, uh, I suppose I look at it that it's got a group component as well as a one-on-one coaching component. And hub of my program is a closed private Facebook group. I do weekly group coaching calls on a Zoom where people get on and ask me questions and I do education and training and do all that. And so that's, and they also get a bit of community in the small Facebook group. I have an online learning platform where I have self-paced training videos and lots of resources. And then the other component is the one-on-one coaching. And I have three levels and as you go up the levels, you get more of my uh, one-on-one coaching time. So you get both. You get a group component. There is a lot in the boot camp and people, I think of it like a buffet, mm. and people choose the parts that they want to utilize. And because in the beginning, we set goals. We say, what are your goals? Uh, my initial commitment is three months working with somebody and we're working individually towards those goals, weekly check-ins, food log reviews, but it's been developed that you can be in any time zone. Yeah. Yeah, things are recorded and there's a lot of information from an education's perspective. So does that make sense? Yes, it does. I think it's great because it gives that ongoing, and I always talk about front of mind or top of mind, is unless we're really immersing ourselves and surrounding ourselves with new information on a regular basis, life gets busy and we kind of forget about what our goals were. And I think accountability is another Yes, It's just that regular, how are you going? And knowing that it's supportive and it's not a smack on the wrist if it hasn't been going well. You know what I mean? Like it's just that reset that we all need. It's like keeping us on track. Yeah. Well, I take clients from before their surgery and I call it like hand-holding from before their surgery through those early days if they mm. haven't got that support and they want extra support. But yeah, people come to me after and they want to get back on track, revisit the basics. 
revisit and build their habits. Some people never really did that level of work in the early days. So yeah, I take people at all stages. Good on you. That's fantastic. And I think that it's accessible and it's practical, which is yes. wonderful. And a lot of people are looking for that. There are so many who are lost along the way. We do a lot of that here at Being Healthy, which is why we run the podcast, is to shine the light on people like yourselves so that patients who are looking for ways of getting ongoing support can certainly find it. And with the internet doing what it's doing, there's no reason not to get involved now. Jane, I've got all of your information and we'll pop them in the show notes for this episode. The show notes are located at the awls.com website and so everything's housed there if you'd like to reach out and get in contact with Jane Stoltz. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Jackie. Thanks for the chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.